Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the session back in the studio once again, and this time with Concord's newest brewery. Sidegate Brewery and Beer Garden is with me today. I've got Kevin Wilson and Paul Colbertson. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for thanks. having us. This is awesome. It's uh, I'm excited to have you guys in here. You've been open for how long now? We're getting close to eight months. Okay. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Early yeah. September last year is when we opened. So okay. it's exciting. Yeah. It is. It, it's an exciting time to to be an open brewery now that uh, you know now that it's 2022, um, and you're and we're past <laughs> the the lockdown stages. So I'm glad you guys made it through all that and are here. I've got your beer in my glass, and we've got a lot to do today. Uh, we're going to try some cool stuff. We're going to talk about cold IPA, which I don't think we've done on this show ever before. So I'm excited about that. I want to thank our sponsor today, More Beer. They brought you this show, and they they bring you every session that we do. You can go to morebeer.com and check them out. Um, I recommend checking out the Comos line of equipment that they have. I just got a Comos kegerator from them, and uh, it's changed my life. fits in my RV. It's amazing. Uh, Go to morebeer.com. Thank them for uh, uh, supporting this show. Um, Okay, and uh, ways to support the show. I know that everybody always asks, so I just... Get that, get that out of the way quickly. You can still donate via PayPal. Just hit the donate buttons on our webpage. There's a, there's a whole page for donating. We always need the support, um, especially nowadays. So, um, you know, the shows are free to you and, and donating is just a great way to, to help us out. Uh, you can also, if you don't want to do that, you can click the Amazon links on our homepage and do your Amazon shopping. All the shopping, you don't have to buy any special items. You can just buy whatever you normally do. But if you start at our link, uh, then it helps us out a whole bunch. And then the other thing you could do is support our sponsors, uh, like More Beer, uh, the 21st Amendment, Beersmith, Williams Brewing Company. You've heard all of them on here before. And if you support them and, and let them know you heard, a, uh, heard them on the show, then, then that helps us a bunch too. 
Um, okay, and then some quick announcements. I need to let you know about the Livermore Valley Craft Beer Festival. It's coming up on May 7th. Um, so not this coming weekend, but next weekend. Um, it's a great event. They, of course, had a, their own two-year uh, virus-induced hiatus, but they're back now for the sixth annual Livermore Valley Craft Beer Festival. It's Saturday, May 7th from 1 to 5. You and 1,500 of your closest friends soaking up the springtime sun, sampling Northern California's best beers, and supporting a great a great cause. Proceeds go to get kids to and from Livermore's nearest Shriners Hospitals for Children. So it's really, uh, you're drinking for an amazing cause. Uh, as in years past, it's at the Shrine Event Center, and we'll have some of the best uh, NorCal breweries for you to explore. Great live music, delicious food. Um, several local restaurants and caterers will be there. It's all for 50 bucks if you buy ahead of time, and you should buy ahead of time. Otherwise, it's going to be 60 bucks at the door. Uh, if you're looking for a next-level experience, you can get the VIP ticket for 80 bucks. You get in an hour early. Um, you can hang out with the breweries. You can get beer a little faster. Some VIP live music will be there. Plus, you get an event shirt in your size, uh, which is you don't always get that, believe it or not. So they really work hard to give you a great experience. Check it all out at livermore.beer. You can get tickets and the latest info over at livermore.beer. All right, excited about that fest. I'm excited about all festivals being back. Did you guys have fun at Spring Brews Festival this year? It was it was fantastic. Good. I mean, just great to see people coming out, uh, beautiful weather, and just getting back together again, you know, around beer, which is such a good social way to bring people together. And, you know, we were a part of it as one of our first big uh, beer festivals we did. So oh, heck yeah. It was, it was fantastic. And we just got to roll the keg straight from our brewery right, right so close. over to the park. <laughs> and it was a fantastic day. Yeah. I was really happy to have you guys. First time you guys have been there. And yeah. Yeah. We, no, we were looking forward to it for a long time. Actually, when Paul and I, when we signed our lease at Sidegate, um, it was in January of 2020. And the Spring Brews Fest was going to be in March. And we're like, oh, oh yeah. man, we don't have any merch yet. We barely have a name. We have a space. So we're just going to hang out outside and just hand out flyers, be like, hey, new brewery coming eventually. <laughs> right. But then, unfortunately, that didn't happen. But we've been yeah. looking forward to it ever since. And it was exactly, I mean, I've been as like a customer for a long time, just okay. kind of going over there and, and having a bunch of beers. And it was so much fun to be there as a brewery, too. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah, it was good to have you. Were you guys busy afterward? Did people come uh, pouring by the the patio? We, we had, we had a real good crowd. Good. Um, we had been warned by, uh, you know, uh, yeah. about some of the mayhem that might ensue, uh, right. post, post event. Uh, thankfully it was actually just a real cool crowd and, you know, just kind of people ready for their kind of night evening, evening cap after the event. And we had a good crowd. It was fun to introduce a lot of new people to our brewery yeah. you know, that were here for the event. And you know, on their way back to the BART station. Exactly. Or, you know, they, they got to stop by. A so. lot of people getting a chance to sit down for the first time in four or five hours. <laughs> so that was good. Yeah. <laughs> we always get that. And I wanted that for you guys. I wanted you guys to have a big sort of post crowd. And I think it was me that warned you, like it could get, yeah. it's the only day of the year that we hire a security guard at the door. Mm -hmm. And it's not actually because people are all that rowdy. It's just, you don't want to overserve people. Right? Right, right. And so our security guard is really kind of there to do that. And, and then of course, people who are at the point of being overserved aren't always like the nicest when they get turned away. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's all I wanted you to be worried about, but we experienced a really much more mellow crowd this year over here too. So yeah, it yeah. was a blast all around. Oh, that's good. Okay. 
I want to get right to some beer. Um, I've got a Vienna lager in my glass that you guys brewed. Um, we're also drinking uh, a pale ale in our glass from Russian River, right? But yep. um, let's talk about your your Sidegate Vienna. What's this beer called, first of all? Uh, we call this Copper Miracle. Okay, yeah. And, I mean, one, you can appreciate the color uh, from this. I, I'm a big, like, you drink with your eyes first kind of guy, so... Uh, you know, getting, getting the color right on a nice, you know, when the sun's shining behind this thing is, is something I think is one of the coolest aspects of it. Um, but it's just a nice, you know, it's, it's very crushable. Um, and you, you still got that Vienna malt character to it. Um, so it's one that, you know, we, we find ourselves kind of introducing our customers to a little bit for the first time, you know, they're not as familiar as, you know, with a, with a Pilsner or, or some other things like that. So it is cool to educate people a little bit on what a Vienna lager is all about. And we, we really enjoy drinking it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a beer that I think Paul and I go to a lot more than some of our other beers that we have on tap, just personally that we like to drink because a, it's pretty low ABV and this one's at 5.2%. Um, but it's exactly what you described. It's, it's, it's got a lot of flavor without having a lot of, um, you know, it's not, it's not too bitter. It's not, like it's it's just not over the top. Yeah. Everything is very very balanced on it, and you get a little bit more out of it than you would like an average pilsner or a Mexican lager or an American light lager. So it's really fun when customers order it, especially in taster sets. Uh, we get a lot of people saying like, "Oh, well, you know, we've I know the three beers I want in a four beer taster set. What's the fourth beer?" And I always am like, "Well, go for the Vienna Lager if you've never had yeah. a beer like that. Give it a shot because it's got a little bit more going on, a little bit more flavor than your average." sort of light lager uh, while still being really easy to drink. I've always been a fan of it for exactly that description. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got enough like malt to it, but because it's a lager, it doesn't fall on the sweet side. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, I hope nobody minds me saying that like Negro Modelo is just like this classic, wonderful Vienna lager that has like all the balance I'm looking for. And yours does too. Like that's, a, it's all crystal clear. I love that copper color. Um, it's definitely not too sweet, but enough sweetness so that, you know, it's a Vienna and I can taste some malt. Yeah. Like that's really kind of the beauty of a, of a Vienna lager is being able to showcase some malt. Well, and we did that actually a lot of what Paul and I do as far as brewing goes is we try to find that like traditional style mm-hmm. and then either brew it close to that or with a little bit of a twist. Okay. And this one was pretty close to a traditional Vienna lager. I mean, it's like 50% Vienna malt and 50% Pilsner malt. Okay. So there's a there's a hefty amount of Vienna malt in there, but because of the style and because of the Vienna malt's not, you know, too aggressive, you still you get flavor without the too heaviness on the like on the sweet side. Yeah. It yeah. definitely dries out nice too. Yeah. Did you go traditional on hops? Uh sort of. Okay. Um I'd say we used some German hops. We did some Huel Melon in there, which isn't a super common one for Vienna lagers. Uh I mean and obviously Vienna's in Austria, not Germany, but they use a lot of the still, same hops. Oh yeah. Um, but we did, you know, it's, it's a lot of, uh, our loggers are, you know, they'll, they'll have some of the noble hop character in it and then some of some very neutral hops that we've, we've used in the past. So there's okay. definitely some German Magnum in there. Nice. That's your bittering edition probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But that's where we get that little bit of that, that twist Kevin was talking about is sometimes maybe playing around with some hops that are a little less traditional to style. Yeah. Um, but for something that's, you know, low IBUs like this, it's, it's pretty nuanced, right? You know, when you're, when you're, uh, you're hopping something like this. So. Um, it's delicious. Popular? Hey, it, you it, guys? It, I feel like it's one of those beers that the second someone tries it, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to get another one of these. Yeah. But it's, again, it's it's hard to get, sometimes it can be hard to get people to introduce themselves to like a new beer style. Sure. But it's definitely one that I'm, I'm like confident. Hey, give it a shot. Try it. Like, 
oh yeah, this is there's this is a lot easier to drink than I thought it was going to be. Are you a brewery that has like a, a model of a few core beers that will kind of always be there, like like a beer like this, or do you just rotate different beers all the time? We're yeah, you know, and especially you know, starting out, we come with from that kind of home brewer mentality. You know, both Kevin and I having that background, and you know, we're very much tap room focused, mm-hmm. and we use that tap room mentality to think about, oh, what, you know, what, what's that, that perfect selection that a customer would want when they come in. So for us, rotating new beers through is, is, is really important to us. And, you know, we're as far as distribution and having flagships go that, that may be in the future someday, but for now, we're really enjoying the flexibility we have to, yeah, again, bring that kind of experimental home brewer mentality to the, to the beers that we do. And, you know, a lot of these are styles that we've, you know, we've done a lot of experimenting in the past with and we're, um, you know, bringing them to the table with new twists. But, you know, we like to have a portfolio of a lot of different styles yeah, and just keep mixing different things through so that, you know, when people come in, there's always going to be some new stuff. And also we don't have kind of our hands tied with, oh, you know, we got to make these seven flagships sure, and we can only play with, you know, so many others. Um, you know, right now we're, we're, we're making, we're kind of responding to what our customers are into, what, what we're into, what our staff's into. And it's a lot of fun to be able to, to kind of do that and sort of fly by the seat of our pants a little bit. Um, how many taps are you trying to keep full over there? We've got, we've got 16. Okay. Yeah. It's a good amount. Yeah. So 15 of them are beers, uh, one hard seltzer. Cause our liquor license essentially says that, Hey, we can brew whatever we want but we can't serve anything we don't brew. Okay. And so we need to have a, a you know, a gluten-free, sugar-free option. So, uh, the seltzer's awesome. We've done some, some fun stuff with that. Um, but 15 beers all the time. And like what Paul was saying, the portfolio is really nice for us because we don't want to lean too heavily into one style. I mean, yeah. obviously IPAs are big sellers like hazies, West coast IPAs, uh, even some cold IPAs we've got. Uh, so that's about a third to half the menu at any given time. But the other half is, you know, a couple different lagers. So we've got a Pilsner and a Vienna lager right now. We've got a wit beer. Um, we just did another uh, another wheat beer that we're going to add some blood orange to later this week. Get that on tap in the next couple of weeks to replace the wit beer. Uh, you know, we had an amber ale for a long time. We have a milk stout. So we always have a dark option. Uh, we love to do Belgian beers. So we oh, actually yeah. have a Belgian golden ale uh, on tap right now. Nice. And we're going to be making a Saison um, later this week. So... We love to just make sure that when any, everyone comes in, there's a beer style for them, right. even if they don't know it's for them yet, right? Sure. So this is, and this brings me to my next question anyway. That's really like a home brewer, I think, take on things too. Like really wanting to brew what you want to brew, run the gamut of the styles because maybe as a home brewer, you, you're a little bored just brewing pale ales all the time like I did. Mm-hmm. Like you want to really try to challenge yourself to do all that. Yeah. So you guys were home brewers to, to start, right? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I was, I've, uh, I just grew up with it my whole life. My dad has been homebrewing since the mid eighties. Okay. So I mean, literally before I could walk, I was helping him like cap beers. Like I was just pulling the lever on the capper to, nice, to, yeah. to get those beers ready for him and my uncles probably to go have a good time. Um, but no, I mean, it's been, it's been great. I mean, I've, I, I've started brewing, you know, I've, I've just grown up with it. It was like a weekend hobby for my dad and, you know, okay. a great thing for him to do. Um, uh, you know, when I was growing up and then as I got old enough, I was like, wait, this is actually like a really interesting hobby because it's a lot more involved than, 
you know, doing something else. Like it, it's a full commitment on a, on any given Saturday or Sunday. Oh yeah. Um, absolutely. You know, to brew. And then the, you know, all the upkeep kind of over time. And, and what was lucky for me actually is that by the time I did start to homebrew by myself, uh, he had kind of gotten all this equipment over the years that he had just slowly started building up and better and better and better and better. A lot of it actually being more beer equipment. Okay. Yeah. We're local to the area. Um, so it was great. I, I, I kind of cheated a little bit by having a big head start on home brewing yeah. by getting to use a lot better equipment, uh, and then having somebody to teach me. Um, whereas Paul, I think is a lot more like self-taught. Yeah. And, and, and actually, if you want to catch Kevin's dad, Greg, he actually, uh, is in the tap room every now and then, uh, behind the bar pouring beer. So yeah, typically Sundays. Sundays. Oh, nice. Right? Yeah. 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 So Greg. Extending his hobby from brewing oh, to pouring now. Oh yeah. He's he, fully retired now. So he's, he, he has a really good time on Sundays, usually from like noon to four when he's behind the bar, just kind of, nice. if you want to, if you want to talk homebrew, you want to talk beer in general, he knows way more than I do about about just like the history of beer and and any given obscure beer style that nobody like. He loves Dortmund or exports. Me too. They're great beers. Yeah, you I don't see a lot one. of breweries making them. <laughs> you don't. I just brewed one with uh, with Chris Graham with the guys from More Beer. Oh, nice. Uh, because it's one of my favorite styles. Yeah. So yeah. So if you yeah if you ever want to just you know. Talk to my dad behind the bar. He'll 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 tell you all oh, everything you need make, to know about it. Make his day for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you guys got the name Sidegate from kind of the philosophy of your dad brewing, isn't that right? A little bit of that, yeah. I mean, I know Paul kind of experienced that too, like when he's been home brewing. Um, but it was one thing that we wanted to really hit home, like as far as the culture goes, is that brewing is like a shareable hobby. It's a shareable thing, even if it's not the hobby, like it's something that you do to invite friends over neighbors, anything like that. And it just creates a collective, um, like group of people that just want to hang out. Yeah. And so I know when I was growing up, um, it was always like a fun thing when my dad was like, Oh, Hey, uh, so-and-so neighbor from, you know, three blocks up the street, uh, is interested in, in coming over and seeing how the, the beer process, you know, works and then how beer is made. And he'd always just say like, hey, just come on to the side gate. Uh, I'm in the backyard because we were always brewing in the backyard back then. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to answer the door. Just come to the side gate. And nice. so it created this very like open environment where you get people coming in and out. We usually have like a barbecue going. Um, I know Paul experienced a lot of the same thing when he was uh, brewing, too. Yeah, I think uh, I what I realized is, you know, brewing out of my garage for so long, like that was how I met so many of my neighbors or got to know like my community a little bit is uh you know, I'd be out there brewing and my neighbors would be walking their dog, looking at me funny, like what? There's some, a lot of stainless steel and there's some steam and looks like you're up to no good in yeah, there. We're not cooking meth. We're cooking beer. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, right. was, that was the running joke. Yep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it just, just the sense of community around, you know, the, the, to me, the, the coolest part about, about making beer, whether it's on a small scale or a larger scale is sharing it with other people, right? That's the, that's the beauty of it from the time I, you know, brewed my first extract, you know, uh, Sierra Nevada clone. And, and, you know, people were like, wow, this actually tastes like beer. And I was like, yeah, isn't that crazy? Like <laughs> maybe I'll stick with this for a while. So, right. um, totally cool. And, and, and that was, you know, that, that, that idea of, you know, taking beers with you wherever you go to, you know, a friend or family member, and then you kind of have something cool to share with them. And, and also it gets you out of having to like, you know, uh, 
buy fancy gifts and stuff. You're like, That's hey, here's true. some here's some homebrew for you, free beer. Like, exactly. What, you know, what, uh, it makes the best wedding be gift ever. Oh, yeah. you don't totally. have to go to the registry. Yes. You just be like, hey, I'll bring a keg. Everyone's okay. like, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yep. So at what point do you guys decide then that you want to go pro? Did you have a, uh, you know, a before pro career going each of you and decided to move on? Kind of talk me through how you decided to, to go this route. Yeah. So for me, um, it was more... So I was in corporate finance uh, before this and I enjoyed it a lot. I, I really liked the place I worked. I liked the people I worked with, but I, I always felt like there was something a little bit missing. Uh, it was a great job. I was, you know, happy to do it, but it just wasn't like the perfect job for me or like the right thing to do. Okay. Um, so I ended up actually leaving that company and didn't totally know what I wanted to do next. Uh, this was back in 2018. Okay. Um, knew that, hey, like if I if I wanted to come back to that same company and do some corporate finance, they would be happy to have me back. It was really good terms. But I, I knew that I wanted to do something a little bit different. And so I thought like, okay, at the very least, I've always wanted to open a brewery, start a brewery, work in a brewery, do something related to brewing. Um, and so I decided to start, you know, I was thinking like, hey, I'm going to put together a business plan for this. And and Paul and I had actually, we worked together at that previous company. Mm -hmm. um, and so Paul and I had actually made, you know, some beers together before. And I remember I was actually like a month or two um, after I had quit, I was over at his house. Uh, we were, you know, making a beer. I was helping out with something. And, and he was like, yeah, you know, I kind of want to start a brewery too. Like, wow, is this something we want to do together? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's actually like, I mean, it's something I always had in the back of my mind. Clearly it was definitely it's, something Paul already had. It's kind of one of those stories. Like I've, I've brewed with a lot of friends and you, you know, you talk about, oh man, you know, you're sitting in the garage, you know, throwing, you know, the, 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 the boils going, you're tossing some hops in there and having a home brew and you're like, it'd be pretty cool to make a job out of this, wouldn't it? You mm -hmm. know? So yeah, it was, it was just one of those things in the back of the mind, back of both of our minds for a while. And yeah, again, we were coworkers. We bonded over beer, shared home brews with each other, brewed brewed some beer together. We we did some fundraisers. Uh, we were brewing beer to support some good causes. Uh, and um, yeah, we just like one day it was kind of like, let's get serious about this. Like, let's actually like put pen to paper and, you know, pencil this out. And think about, you know, you know, markets and financials and beer portfolios and and talk to other brewers. Mm -hmm. So for us, like a lot of, you know, obviously coming from that home brewer background and not a, a commercial uh, brewing, um, you know, uh, area, it was all, a lot of how we kind of figured out how we we're going to go about this was by sure. talking to other other brewers and, you know, just just kind of learning every a, a lot of things from scratch. And so I think one of the big things, things for us is like, we'll just keep a really open mind to learning from others. And obviously the the community around um, brewing and, and breweries is, is just so awesome in terms of information oh, yeah. sharing and, and, you know, helping, you know, that kind of rising tide of, 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 you know, getting people to appreciate craft beer is, is, is good for all of us. Sure. And so was there worry on your part um, or were there warnings on the part of breweries about, like, did you wonder at all if it's too late to be a new craft brewery? I mean, there's so many openings. We got right? a lot. Yeah, we got that question a lot, actually. And it was mainly from folks who, who didn't, I mean, they didn't necessarily know what our business plan was. And, and really, we're taproom focused. So we don't, you know, we're not looking to be this this pure production brewery that just distributes out into the region because it's really hard to compete by doing that. 
right off the bat. I mean, yeah. you're literally, you're, it's so sales focused. We were like, well, let's build a culture in a tap room, make good beer there, bring people to that tap room and give them a reason to come to that tap room, even if it's not just the beer. Sure. And so that's why actually uh, the, the side gate sort of, um, name and culture was so important because we really wanted it to have a little bit of that like backyard sort of like come on in the side gate like don't knock on the front door yeah um like everybody's welcome sort of it's situation. funny that the entrance to you is really a side gate. we actually have mm-hmm. two entrances yeah. and they're both side gates yeah, yeah <laughs> which come. is which yeah. is really lucky because <laughs> the name was before the place yeah uh but no it was it was the the patio actually was a huge huge draw for us um Mainly because on this side of the Caldecott Tunnel, like in this part of the East Bay, there's not a there's not a ton of breweries when you look at the the, yeah. the number of people who live out here. I mean, you got Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco that are super saturated, but there's a lot of people there too. And then you go into Lafayette, Arinda, Walnut Creek, Pleasant Hill, Concord, Martinez. Like there's breweries, but there's not that many. It's not a sure. super saturated area. So when you're hyper focused on an area like that becomes a lot easier to for people to be like oh actually yeah there's really not that many breweries around like there there's always room for more out here so it was well uh, and the and the what i hear from brewers too that that talk about opening a new brewery and and give advice it's that the tap the the hyper local tap room model still does and most likely always will work mm-hmm. and it's you know you're not going to become the richest person on earth with the local taproom model, but you're going to make a good living. You're going to, you can be a community taproom like you guys are doing. Right. And it allows you to grow a little bit more organically too. Like if you can create that culture there, a lot of how people pivot off of that single taproom model is they now open a second taproom or a third or a fourth. And they kind of find these little pockets where they can still create that atmosphere that you have in the main brewery, but kind of pivot it off to somewhere else. Yeah. It's a good point. And although I will just add to like, you know, with all the lessons of, of a pandemic, um, when, when Vinny Chalurzo, whose who's beer we're also drinking at the same time in here, when he was in here, um, you know, he, he talked about how, because his sales model was multi-tiered, some over the counter at the tap room, some distributed, um, and then they even picked up like uh, mail, like sell by mail. Um, he felt that he was like, when any one thing goes to shit, he was better mm-hmm. like poised to handle that. Right. Mm-hmm. So like when we experience lockdowns and things like that here, my biggest issue was that I sell everything over the bar, like, mm-hmm. like you guys yeah. are doing yeah. right now too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and who, who could have planned for that? He wasn't, he wasn't saying anyone did poorly cause they didn't plan for it. He was just sort of commenting that he was lucky enough that he stuck to kind of a three tier system rather than like a one way street of sales in case any one thing goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, alternatively, if you were just a distributed brewery and your, and your distributor drops you, Right, like yeah. any number. So I just think that while this local taproom model works, everything has its little tricky nuances. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I, I think we're we're definitely keeping an open mind as to what the future is for Sidegate. You know, um, where we we really love what we're doing right now, and and the flexibility and how tight we we are becoming with the community, and you know, we're really proud of what we've what we built here. And I think uh, you know we're we're optimistic that you know, we can, we can start doing with time, doing, doing some more things with our beer. And, you know, we're, we're definitely, you know, a, a, a transition for us that's, that's pretty imminent is getting, you know, more uh, keg distribution out. So getting, getting beers out kind of throughout the County sure, and things like that. And, you know, like we're, we're, uh, we're really 
have a, have an open mind about, you know, growing, but growing smart. And we're definitely not in a, in a huge hurry to do it. Um, you know, we're not going to be knocking on Costco's door trying to get, a, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. get, get in there. But, um, not yet. you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're really at some happy. point, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. We're really happy with where we're at. We've got a lot of optimism about, about the future. And, um, Good. you know, for now it's great that we can stay, stay, stay focused on the beers and the tap room, which is what we really want to create is just an awesome experience, uh, around the, the ambiance of the tap, the beer garden and the tap room and right. the beers, and then take it from there, you know? Well, and I want to talk more about the tap room. I'm going to get us to a break first. We come back because uh, I've got some history in your building that you guys are at. Also. <laughs> Excited to hear it. <laughs> but real quick before the break, I just one more question about your Vienna lager. Do you do like a traditional lager of this beer or do you guys do that kind of fast lager? Like how long was this in the tank before you were you were sending? So it? this one was kind of interesting because it's... Uh, it was an accidental traditional lagering process. I mean, not about accidental, just that we we were kind of oversaturated on beers and we were actually low on kegs at the time because we're pretty new. And so we've kind of like sporadically bought more kegs over time. We brewed this beer knowing we really wanted to brew it and get it on tap. But it was in the middle of winter and the sales were a little bit slow. And we were running low on kegs and we had a couple new IPAs that we had to get out. And so basically every beer we brewed for a little while was like a more important one to get on tap. So this one actually accidentally hung out, while, yeah. hung out yeah. and lagered <laughs> in the in the in the fermenter for nice. a good like six seven weeks, um, and and I mean it it turned out great. So if we if we replicate it, like we'll see if we can do it a little faster or if it sure. if it really does need that process. But uh, no, actually, a lot of our beers were. I feel like we're we're we definitely go, don't go traditional like lager lager okay. sort of. Um, so you don't have this like standard not, six weeks in the no, tank. No, yeah. we're no. yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously obviously starting a real low, the low fifties, and 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 let it hang out. But we also want to you know make sure that there's room to get that temperature rise from the diacetyl rest and mm-hmm. that kind of final final part of of fermentation. So you know, I think our lagers are probably we're definitely not again because we're not hyper production, uh, focused. Um, we're not, it's not about how quick we can, we can move them on, but like, you know, I think most of our loggers were probably, we're probably still getting about three weeks plus okay. in the tanks of, uh, uh, fermentation, a little bit of conditioning and, and we have a massive cold room. So there's a little bit of conditioning that happens yes. once we get the beer in the kegs. Um, and, and that was something that was kind of a, I don't know what a happy accident or whatever, just having that much space. Um, you know, our fermentation space is pretty limited, but our cold room is pretty expansive. It's so we can, very, very we large. can throw beers in there and let them, you know, at the, that 38 degree temperature kind of hang out and, and get to their happy place. Uh, yeah. Um, before we, before we throw them on draft. So that's yeah. the, the very few, I think I've done three in my, in my minute homebrewing career loggers. Um, I, I found that any sort of cold conditioning like that for a longer time just does make things better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would encourage homebrewers who are listening to this, and especially if you want to do a Vienna lager, I mean, if you want to do a shortened fermentation, like in that primary tank, by all means, Tasty on the show, there's a bunch of shows in the Brewing Network who will teach you how to do that. But even sitting in the keg in cold store, it lagering in the keg, to me... And you could, you could, you should taste it. You should taste it when you keg it and go like, yeah. all right, make some mental notes. Right. And then let it sit for three weeks. Don't touch it. Right. And yeah. mm-hmm. even in the keg, I have been so like astonished at the difference 
after another several weeks. That that is totally true. And and from a homebrewer's perspective, that I mean, I could there were there were kegs that I would drink of you know certain lagers or or any other beer that we would make, and I'd be like, man. This beer's been on tap for a month and it is so good right now. And I wish I didn't drink it, you know, the last right. three weeks yeah, because yeah. it's so much better right now. But that's part of the fun, right? Is that you get yeah. to try to, you try it at different stages and you finally figure out this is the peak like time to drink this beer. Right. And then, you know, it's, it's, you make a note and next time you make it, you either let it sit in the keg or you let it sit in the fermenter for longer. And there yeah. you go. Now, you know, like you could, you have a replica, a replicatable process. A hundred percent. And of course, homebrewers have that luxury, not needing to free up a tank and, like, yeah. you know, get mm-hmm. going. So certainly not criticizing by any means, but yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. for homebrewers, I just really like to say like, yeah, even if you got to get it out of the fermenter, Hang on to a keg, like mm-hmm. just whatever, because it does get it does get better. All right, yep. I'm going to take us to a, a a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about where Sidegate is, which of course is here in um, uh, Concord, California. They're just uh, two blocks from from the Hop Grenade, and uh, I've got a little history with that location. I'll tell you when we get back. Hang in there. You're listening to the session, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Still here with Sidegate Brewery and Beer Garden. I like the distinction. I like that you put the whole thing in the name because you guys, as we're about to talk about, have a rad uh, beer garden. And um, yeah, I wanted to give a little, get your uh, take on the building and give a little history on it myself. So you guys chose the, uh, see, I know it because I've been around Conquer for so long and, yep. and you guys have too, uh, or at least you have Kevin, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we, I'm, Paul's been in Walnut Creek for I've like been about 15, 15 years. years okay. uh, so yeah. Area, yep. so yep. it used to be this amazing dive bar called uh timeout mm-hmm. and it was timeout for a long time. And Timeout was like all sorts of glorious things and seedy things at the same time. But one of the very cool things about it was it had this great like music history. All the local bands, which is how I knew the place in in my local bands and with other bands that I manage and all that, we all played at at Timeout at one time or another. You know, this is when like in my twenties, right? So this is a long time ago, and. uh so the place has this like kind of place in my heart. And so I looked at it too, uh, before we uh, found our location for the hop grenade timeout had already left. And I went and looked. And at that time, it when it was vacant after timeout, it was the same or worse disaster that it had been when it was open. Well, you finally mm-hmm. saw it with the lights on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, right. <laughs> saw it with the lights on and I'm just, and it was, I didn't have the budget to 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 make that place over as much. But what I loved was one of the same things I think you guys love was like the outdoor patio, the the beer area. And for me, the fond memories of like buying drugs there and yeah. like playing in bands <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, I have lots of awesome memories about that. I was upstairs doing things I shouldn't be doing and it wasn't even open. Up <laughs> We've like, heard those stories <laughs> before. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, which I think it, it's look, it's part of Concord history. And I really, I really liked it as a location for us, but just couldn't, couldn't handle that amount of build out. Well, we found our spot here and then a place took it over and did a bunch of remodeling, not a full, mm-hmm. but then it was like Grant Street Pizza, right? The yeah, pizzeria, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Grant Street Pub and Pizzeria for a little while. Okay. And so that was there for for a couple of years and they cleaned it up real nice. It, de- it definitely was not divey anymore. They had done a lot to it. Um, but the thing about the building is that it's it has this awesome outdoor patio area, its own large parking lot, which I thought would be cool for events. 
But it also had this upstairs loft area, which even when the pizza place took over, kind of left that like blocked off. So they didn't do a full build. They made it nice and it was great. And and I appreciated what they did. But you guys then took so they didn't make it. And you guys come in and you did the build I wanted to do. (laughs) Like I'm straight up saying that. In fact, you did it better. I wouldn't know. You guys made it so nice in there. You and I'm going to let you sort of talk about this. But just to paint the picture for my listeners, like they you guys took this kind of low ceiling first floor nice enough area and ripped out that shit above you that did, was useless <laughs> anyway to to provide a good half of it as this big open like space uh so that you have tall ceilings now and exposed beams but then also used what I really wanted to use the whole time was to keep a loft yeah. that mm-hmm. people can go sit in and look down at the brewery and like you really did it right. And I, Kevin, when I met you, um, uh, even before I went to the brewery, we met at a beer event and you were yep. showing me pictures and I said yeah. it to you then. This was at Fieldworks, or not Fieldworks, uh, it, was at, it was at the Rare Barrel when they were launching their new brand, uh, Hello Friend. Yes. Yeah. And I'm looking at the pictures, and I think I said to you right then, I was like, Kevin, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's what that place needed. It's such a cool spot, and that somebody finally did that to it. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, it still must have been a massive project. And I, Can you walk me through how you were able to and, and your plans? And Yeah, I mean, that's a... You want the short version, the long version, I want or the, the medium version? I, I on want that one? the you know, <laughs> entertaining <laughs> version. The short, the, definitely the, uh, the short to me, but maybe not plans A to like, Z. But you know, mm. I guess when I say that someone partially renovated it, it doesn't mean that you guys didn't have a mountain it of was, work and money we, to spend. And so I'm just sort of yeah. curious. Like, here's a new venture for you guys. Yep. I don't. You guys don't take me. I don't take you for like trust fund babies. So yeah. I feel like you got there. You had this vision, and somehow we're still able to execute it. And I think a lot of what we, I mean, for one, we like to call it a historical building because uh, it does have a lot of history. You know, you mentioned yeah. the timeout and that was back in the, you know, maybe going back to the nineties the, the and early two thousands. Yeah. But before that, you know, we found parts of this building as we kind of pulled back the layers of the onion that are, are very likely over a hundred years old. So this is like part of the history of Concord. And as the downtown was developing, this was, um, you know, like, like a, a block in an area that was, uh, that was part of that. Um, but a lot of what we did, you know, we, our, our focus, we drew a lot of inspiration from a lot of places, but with that building, I think one was as we walked through it and meanwhile, there were still like dirty dishes and things left from the prior tenant. Around. Oh, I yeah. believe whole, it. whole bottles of so, like ketchup, mustard, like, I mean, literally yeah. like the, the, the place, whoever left it beforehand <laughs> yeah. definitely was out very quickly was and not, took whatever was valuable with them and then left everything else. Like usually there. what happens. Yeah. 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 But like uh, most of what we were doing is like just peeling it back to its core elements, yeah. you know? So it wasn't about creating this opulent space or adding all these high cost materials and doing all these things. It was, it was really like, Hey, this building's got, I mean, the patio, uh, fantastic. Uh, the beer garden, actually, I should say. And, yeah. um, the, the big pitched roof and, you know, the area where we'll put it, be able to put our, our, our whole brewery, uh, where there was a second floor previously. Yeah. So it was a little bit of vision and, uh, but again, most of what you see in there, that's 
beautiful and awesome mm -hmm. is the core elements of that building, like the structure of that building, the original, uh, you know, wood elements that we, you know, we peeled back what the last four tenants had done to like yeah. add uh, See, that's things the thing. on top yeah. of that. They had literally every person before us just added and added and added and added to hide the blemishes. And we were like, no, no, we can't have that. Like we've got, right. we've got to, we've got to pull that all the way back because the whole, a that this like the way that even if it's not the way that other people build space, it's just the way that we like to go to places. Like, hey, you can you have a sight line to everywhere you want to look in the brewery. You're not confined to a small space. Yeah. So we had to open it up as much as possible. So here's kind of my question about that, and because. I, I think that's exactly what needed to be done. I can tell that that's what you did. And my impression is you'd think it'd be cheaper to do that, but it's oh, not God. cheaper to do that. And that's well, why everybody else just patched over the shitty parts because that's the cheaper way to do so it. So here's what we did. We, it was Paul and <laughs> myself and our contractor for about six months in that building before anybody else touched it. It was just the three of us because Paul and I were like, well, I was completely out of a job at that point because we I was full in on the brewery and okay. Paul was Paul was about fifty I was fifty on my way out. <laughs> yeah, Paul was, he already told him he's on his way out, but he's still kind of he need he needed a paycheck. And sure, I was a total bum. So um, the three of us basically almost every day or or uh, you know for about six months we were in there doing all the demo ourselves. Okay, yeah, and that's when I like when I fully comprehended how much we had to do on this building. Yeah, because there was a lot. I mean, this the, the the type of construction in there was basically like this, like chicken wire plaster yeah. that was behind all the walls, which sounds like it wouldn't be that bad. But the second you try to take it out with hand tools or power tools, mm. it's not easy. I mean, if you don't have like actual like construction machinery right. that's like demoing whole walls. It's a very methodical process. Right. And so yeah. Paul and I are basically, I mean, I feel like we're like halfway to like contractors so we, at this point <laughs> to be able to, to kind of take care of some of that stuff. Well, and so that's my impression. And then again, to sort of paint a picture for our listeners, one of the most impressive things to me is uh, when you walk into the building, um, on the right side is the brewery, which now extends well into the, what used to be the second floor. And what that used to be was the bar that entire space with the brewery was the bar with a low ceiling and i don't know what upstairs some shitty offices some like crack houses <laughs> i think, I that's think. Exactly <laughs> what that four, four rooms <laughs> all of the above we, we can only speculate on what those rooms we've been told a lot for. of stories about things that have happened in those offices that <laughs> they probably can't retell <laughs> right <laughs> but the but to make the decision you know what we're because we're, the bar is now relocated on the complete other side it's exactly what had to be done. And I don't even know that I would have had th that vision, but it was the right thing to do. Just get rid of this kind of what they made it. It worked great for a dive bar, but yeah. otherwise useless. Right. And now it has tall tanks and the brewery and it's got everything and it's, and it's so open. The bar's on completely the other side. So I'm just sort of trying to paint this picture of the sheer scope of, I mean, you guys gutted the building. We did. Yeah. Yeah. It probably would have been cheaper to go literally anywhere, anywhere else in Concord that was available. Okay. Right. But, but this building was... You can't like it's so hard to find. And this is pre pandemic when we were looking at like patio spaces like there literally was nowhere else that we could find that would have had the expansive kind yeah. of beer garden patio without totally. having to build that out. And everybody we talked to beforehand basically said, if you're going to add outdoor space somewhere, 
you're going to be in a battle with the city for a long time mm-hmm. because nine mm-hmm. out of 10 times, that's going to be reducing parking. Mm-hmm. And the second you reduce parking, the city says, nah, can't reduce parking. Yeah, there's like too many there's, people here already. I don't know. Like there's such a shortage of parking in Concord, but mm-hmm. I get it. And you don't want those battles anyway. And you don't yeah. want a long drawn out. No. And no. that space has everything because it's got all of the beer garden mm-hmm. and parking. You didn't have to even use your own parking. Exactly. We mm-hmm. got very... We were very, very, very happy that that building was on the market at the same time we were looking. Did you buy it or do you lease it? We're leasing it. You're leasing it. Yeah. yeah. Very, very very long. We've got a long term lease. Yeah. yeah. So we're, I mean, at the time we actually had a very open mind about the type of space that we might be in. You know, a lot of what we were looking at was more uh, industrial, right? You know, the, the roll up door and, you know, that kind of, that kind of vibe. And, um, we were looking at, we, you know, we, again, we kind of knew where we wanted to be based on, you know, the, 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 the market of the area and, and our belief that, you know what, this, this, this corridor of, of 680 or the East Bay yeah. needs some more breweries and we love it. And we really want to bring what we found is inspiration from other places to our community. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we really had an open mind. I mean, it, it, it would have been like, you know, flip the coin, it lands on the other side. We would have ended up in like a more industrial space if, sure. if something, you know, uh, would have, would have, where they won't fight with you about, you know, yeah, parking and yeah. things like that. But exactly. this one, this one came up at the right time. And I think when we, you know, just realized, you know, being in this, this area that's walkable and close to public transportation and the awesomeness of the, yeah. the plaza here, yeah, we're like, we well, we're like, we think we can make this yeah. happen. <laughs> we think we can. And, make uh, we have a few people telling us, uh, that, it probably could work. You know, these are uh, architects and contractors. And so we went in and and the whole design of the building didn't really come together until Kevin and I had probably spent a couple months at least in there. And it was all just very much like we were learning stuff as we went and we were working with, you know, on the blueprints and that kind of stuff. And it, it came together all kind of at the same time. Yeah. And I got to give a big shout out to a lot of the people that we worked with too. Like, our, uh, the first one, biggest one for sure is our, our general contractor, like Kenton Rogers, who um, literally started his own contracting company for this project, wow. <laughs> for SideGate, basically. We kind of helped launch like his new business, which is amazing because we're a new business too. So yeah, um, uh, he, he was working under the name DeSero Construction when we had him, but I think he's actually changed that to, uh, I'm blanking on it right now. It's like, Something jigsaw, jigsaw, jigsaw yeah. construction. Okay, nice. And um, it, he was amazing because he was able to. He basically like taught Paul and I more or less everything we know about construction, construction. at this point. Yeah, and helped us do. We were like, hey, we don't have a lot of money, but we have time, and yeah. we can com- contribute a lot of labor if it's like unskilled labor. And so we did a lot of that with with Kenton, and he, and he was amazing for us. Nice. Our architectural firm, Archaeologics, actually did Russian Rivers Windsor. Oh. Um, wow. Uh, building we're like well we're gonna choose an architect and russian river use these guys then we're not even gonna look at another one because these guys obviously know what they're doing yeah um obviously i mean clearly we're not russian river and (laughs) that's a major project but it was great to work with those guys too 100 and then you have some faith in it we have some faith like you guys have worked with breweries you kind of know some of the intricacies of some of those things that have to happen yeah Um, but yeah i mean it was a total team effort to get this building love it the way it is you know paul and i basically acting a lot of the time as project managers rather than 
brewery owners because i mean i feel like oh, for yeah, the last was, like two and a half years yeah. it was it was paul and i were like project managers but had nothing to do with brewing so luckily we were still home brewing yeah almost every other you know weekend or or weekday on the side just to make sure like hey when we actually open we should make sure we know how to make good beer <laughs> not forget yeah. that part so when we yeah. started it was kind of like when are we actually going to be able to open this place you know and, and obviously we signed at least two weeks before or a month before the pandemic. So mm -hmm. we got our, you know, like wow. very quickly, you're like, what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we just kept at it, you know, and well, that was actually part of the reason and, too, is yeah. just myself and Paul and our contractor being like, Hey, if this pandemic is really something that's going to be around for a while, like we can't be around a lot of other people. So the three of us, sure. like, we're just going to, Let's just get after it and, and do whatever we can to demo it. And then when it's time to actually build it back up, that's when we hire everybody else. Well, and, and maybe less of a feeling of a rush, too. It actually was kind of yeah. nice. I mean, I feel like that was a little bit of a silver lining. Uh, the fact that it, it, the construction itself needed to take so long. Yeah. And it prob it definitely got extended longer than it would have had we not had a pandemic. But Paul and I, that gave us more time to make decisions that maybe nobody else would notice but we notice yeah like i mean there are certain things like all the wood in the building um that we took out as like far as as part of that subfloor that used to be above that bar area yeah is now all the tabletops and the bar top nice so all that wood got reclaimed and paul paul and i had extra time to be like okay well we're gonna take all the nails out of these mm -hmm. we're gonna strip these floorboards and then we'll ship them off to a local uh, mill worker who can turn them into tables and then that gets shipped off to somebody else in Pleasant Hill who's going to now make, you know, do the final finish on it. So it, it gave us more time to like spend more time on that kind of stuff. Right. And it's beautiful stuff, too. Uh, let me pause us on the build out real quick to talk about the beer in our glass, because I still have more questions about the build out, too. <laughs> yeah. But I've got uh, we have Simcoe Path IPA, right? Mm -hmm. So tell us yep. about this. Um. So. You know, as we said earlier, you know, coming from this homebrew background and kind of that perpetual experimentation and, and, and playing around with styles a little bit, we thought it would be really cool to just do something really simple, right? And so this is actually a smash beer. It's a single malt, single hop. Okay. And, um, you know, something that... that is that, the, is that what they're called now? Single malt, single hop, yeah, or smash single beer? Yeah, smash is an acronym. Is single yeah. malt and single hop. Got it. Yeah, okay. it yeah, actually right. took me a, like a Google search, I think, to figure that out for yeah. the first time when I heard it. <laughs> it sounds cool, too. So. It does. Yeah. I'm so yeah. old now that I have, yeah. to, I have to catch up on these new acronyms. Yep. But but for us, like, you know, um, you know, trying to hone in on, all right, what's the, you know, we're... we're Again, we're not we're not tied into our ways, so it's like, hey, you know, what's what's the best like, you know, what are some two row malts we can really kind of try that, um, you know, we really want to get a feel for, and you know, obviously, uh, hop wise, for Kevin and I, Simcoe is one of our favorites to use. It's just definitely kind of strikes that that awesome balance, and it, it also just pairs well with so many. It's like other hops, old school West and, Coast hop that has like some new like fruitier tropical flavors. So it's like you can get so much out of it. Yeah, so we so we wa really wanted to. We've already highlighted another beer with Simcoe, but this one was like just as pure to the elements as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we just we just like, hey, let's let, let's do this. Let's try you know one of these two row malts. We really want to get to know a little bit better. And what let's is try the two row that you use? Brees. Okay. Yeah, it's from Brees. Yeah, it's so yeah. soft. It's really nice. Yeah, and and we've been. Base malts are not something that a lot of brewers really, really think about too hard other than price. They're like, oh, what's the cheapest base malt? 
and that's a great i mean that's that's what you have to do sometimes because it goes into like the vast majority of your beers but it was fun to do a, a beer that we didn't i mean breeze isn't very expensive to begin with it's not like a super high-end one but it's not the cheapest either but it's one that we've been like hey a lot of the beers that we've made with breeze mm-hmm. whether on purpose or not like came out really good right so let's try to make a beer with just this see what all the you know our efficiency on the mash What's the flavor like? Does it actually accentuate the hops? And I think it it exceeded on all of those fronts way more than Paul. And I, I was I was definitely too. surprised at this. Like this is this is one of my I don't know top three beers that we have right now, and it's delicious. I kind of thought you you just kind of I kind of thought it would just be a little bit uh what's the word you, you, you just, just one like, note yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just mm-hmm. kind of monotone which I I think I've found in the past but. Uh, the Simcoe plays well. The 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 two row malt works well, and we're actually like, okay, well, this is this could be the start of like a series of beers we do, right? right. And, I, and this yeah. is this is the cool thing about what we're doing is like, hey, we just tried this as a you know throw something at the wall, see what sticks, and it's like this is a really nice beer. Yeah. Like, what hop? Well, let's do it again. Yeah. What hops are we gonna do next time? So right. So it's it's cool to kind of evolve from something simple like that. Kevin, you told me not to do this, but I'm going to do it. You told me not to compare you to Russian River. <laughs> well, because we were drinking Road 2 Hill 56, which is 100% Simcoe Pale Ale. So I'm like, right. All right. <laughs> okay. Just by happenstance. Right? But I, I want to make the comparison because one of the things I like about Road 2 Hill 56. So to me, um, I do think sing, uh, smash beers have gotten better over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not so rigid or um, or one uh, one dimensional anymore, right? The, and yeah, I think because yeah. hops have gotten better, and clearly uh, based on this one, I think malt has gotten better. Um, but there's still a bunch of them out there that are either one dimensional or or I find them to be rather sharp around the edges, mm. and in particular with a Simcoe type of beer. But that's something I really like about Row Two. Now he, I think, is a little more. He's either a little more aggressive on the Simcoe in in the beer that we just drank, the Row Two. Or your malt is just a little more rounded because uh, what I do like about his is it's not edgy. It's not all pointed. It's still a rounded beer. Right. This one is even softer to me and really does showcase Simcoe in a positive light because Simcoe, I'm not always a fan. Yeah. It's always good with other hops to me, Mm -hmm. always, but it is not always good on its own. And in this case, it's very good on its own. And I think you guys gave it like this nice pillowy showcase. Yeah, I, I think I, it, it impressed me. I mean, Simcoe has been one of my favorite hops for a long time, but that's only because it's always associated with a lot of other hops, too. Sure. It's like my, yeah. so a lot of my favorite IPAs are ones that have Simcoe in it. And I'm like, OK, what's the common denominator here amongst these IPAs? And it's almost always Simcoe in some way, shape or form. Sure. Mosaic's another one that's like that. Yeah. And this one we're like. Well, what does Simcoe actually taste like when it's by itself? Yeah. And I think it's way more expressive than we thought it would be. It is. Sure. Well, and longtime listeners uh, will, will either be making fun of me or just happy to hear <laughs> that I'm not calling it Caddy anymore or yeah. all those things. I just, <laughs> I think Simcoe has changed or you guys got some good one. Because, uh, yeah, it's just a really nice showcase. Listen. I, I think Vinny would be proud of you. I, I hope so. I think I, he, hope, I hope I hope Vinny someday gets to try this beer because <laughs> that would be that would be a definitely checking off a box for me. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely think he would take a sip of this beer and say what I'm saying in the sense that you really provided a beer to showcase Simcoe in a in a very positive light. Um, 
This is delicious, which we also have on tap here at the Hop Grenade, folks. Um, so it'll probably be here um, all week if you want to come down and try it. And you could try it, I hope you don't mind me saying, yeah. side by side with Row 2 Hill 56 Please from do. Russian River. Yeah. And yeah. I think you'd have a really nice experience. They're different beers. Um, I, I do think they present very differently, but they both do, I think, what you guys set out to do. Mm-hmm. How did you choose the, that, the, as you said, Brees, right? Yeah. Why did you choose that malt over another two row? Well, uh, we, you know, again, we had been trying different things in terms of just coming from that mindset of, hey, we're not, we're not setting our ways. We haven't been commercial brewers for you know, 20 years and we just love this two row malt for everything. And so trying different things and, you know, just we found that when we were using that malt, one, the efficiencies were good, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah, and that's important. And yeah, Very it's important. not like we have a whole a whole lab and we're doing all these diagnostics, but we sure. get a few pieces of uh, data and we're like, this is this is good. And we just found we were getting kind of yeah, kind of exactly what we what we wanted out of it. And so it was like, hey, this is this is a good example. Like we've actually done some stuff with some other malts, too. Um, and you know, Pilsner malts, for example, where we, and so it's like, okay, let's, let's do this with for a two row. Let's choose breeze. And, um, that was, you know, the great thing is we don't have to put a lot more thought to it than that. Yeah. Uh, to be like, Hey, this is, this is something we want to try. Just give it a shot. Yeah. Let's give it a shot. We yeah. How go, many barrels are you brewing at a time? Ten, we have a 10 barrel brew system. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we know that we, we, you know, we, we, we know that we're going to get a, a quality product. And what we found on the hop side too is just what we've learned, I guess, coming from a home brewing background is, you know, where you get your hops from and the quality of the hops and not just the variety yeah. is so huge. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. just, Hey, I got, I got, you know, I got this, I got, I got citrus. So it's going to be awesome. You know um, it's like, there's so much more to it than that, you sure. know, and we're, 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 we're learning that pretty quickly. And, you know, I think a little bit of, you know, what, what, uh, getting the the a good batch of Simcoe in here is a little bit of us kind of uh, you know finding finding better ways to get the the best quality ingredients yeah. into into the beers. What yeast is it? Neutral yeast? You guys it's like a very yeast? neutral yeast? Yeah, it's just a California. It's it's, it's a Cal-Ale. it's a California ale yeast. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's you know the most neutral we could have picked probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just let the let the rest do its thing and then keep it nice and clean. Right. Uh, low fermentation. Temp- Fermentation temp still? Or? Uh, actually, no. This one's like right there at 67, 68 degrees. Okay. Um, yeah. Really the whole way through. Like we don't, um, for those kind of beers, we don't let them free rise like, you know, towards the end of fermentation. We just kind of hold it right, right around that 68 degree temp. Okay. Um, kind of let it do its thing. It's warm enough to do its diacetyl rest in case there's anything that pops up. And then, uh, yeah, dry hopped pretty well. It's actually the first, what's weird too is like this was the first IPA we made in our 20 barrel fermenters, but it's a 10 uh, barrel batch. Okay. So that was kind of a fun experiment. Too. Sure. There was like a mm-hmm. lot of variables. We were a little on nervous beer. about that. So yeah, you mean so much headspace. That's what I was going to yeah, say. So like the difference headspace. in headspace and how that affects fermentation. Right. Yeah. Uh, how it affects fermentation and then really more about how it affects the dry hopping because you're adding all these dry hops, which is going to add aroma, but you have 10 barrels of, of headspace that that aroma can just kind of hang out in and not be in the beer. Okay. But it's all in a vessel and it's all closed. But sure. So it's not going anywhere except still potentially out of solution. Right. I mean, yeah. it's it's yeah. one of those things where it's like our 10 barrel fermenters might have a foot of space, of headspace, maybe two feet of headspace. Mm-hmm. And this has like 
10 to 15 feet of headspace. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. our, our, again, our, we're kind of funky in our, our, our 20 barrel fermenters. They're not normal shaped. Okay. They're actually really skinny and really tall. It's the same diameter as a 10 barrel, but almost twice the height because we have heads, we have a lot of height, uh, ceiling height in our brewery, but not a lot of like width. And so we had these things specially designed to maximize the height sure without being too wide so that we have more room in the future to grow hopefully um with a few more fermenters that makes sense so the 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 dimensions on these look like they're 40 50 60 barrel fermenters wow but they're just really skinny okay it sounds fancy but it's just two 10 barrel fermenters stacked on top of each other with (laughs) the bottom cut out oh nice one yeah yeah and they weld it together like that uh no no it's it's designed normally it's designed that way but but you could you could weld it together like it's that. It's just if you an extra to. tall fermenter. Yeah, yeah. So we just kind of, you know, again, all these design choices as we're like, man, this building is kind of funky and very interesting and very cool. How can we like, you know, think ahead to, okay, if we're, you know, what, what where are we going to max out, you know, uh, production wise uh, and barrels right. wise in this building? And so this is one way to, you know, try to try to get uh, a little more, a little more capacity sure. out of a pretty limited space. Right. We built the brewery for the building knowing that like, hey, these are our diameter. Like this is this is the the distance we have. This is what has to work. Yeah. If it's not this, then we have to figure out something else. Okay. Well, that's the way to do it, really. Yeah. And in, in for me, thinking about the space, we've talked about how much kind of outdoor space and parking space you have. But also in your parking lot, I feel like you even have space for fermenters there, like in some sort of future growth too. Like you've got more space inside. I've been there enough to see that. You've got some years to grow. But if you saw a real growth spurt, you could even go the outdoor route. That know? would be a fun problem to have. That would be <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, all right, give uh-huh. me that problem. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, not the craziest idea. I think uh that is definitely yeah, that's definitely something because we've got although that is our food truck spot. Uh so sure. But uh we've we we get creative. Everything can uh, be yeah, fixed. Yeah, exactly. And you will for sure. You will get creative as time goes well, on. Well that's yes. that's that's the homebrewer mentality, right? Like just do something like you know what you have to do, so figure out like the most efficient, or even if it's not the most efficient, just like what is a way I can get to like my end goal by doing it, you know, a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, before I get us to our next breaks, I want us to have enough time to talk about cold IPA. Um, I just want to tell you, and it's kind, of, I mean, it's kind of strange, but my favorite part of building, I think you already know this because you showed me a picture of it and it blew my mind. And then I, I've, I've since seen it myself. You guys yep. weren't there the first time I went in. But in the corner where you go up the stairs to the loft, there's this like exposed rock wall. And, and Kevin, you were like describing this to me that like, you know, we're worried about the structural integrity and different things that we have to mess with. But as we're pulling stuff out, we find this, these weren't your words, but this yeah. ancient rock wall mm-hmm. that turns out to be the structural integrity of that side of the building. And from an engineering perspective, like you lucked out that like all you had to do was make it visible. So it looked cool and not really mess with it to hold the building up. So that's what was cool. So that's like the term cornerstone comes from, the fact that in the olden days when people build buildings, they would make a stone wall in the corner of the building okay, and then build out from there. I see. And that's why we think this building is north of 100 years old because it has a cornerstone. It has a cornerstone. Yes. Like, I mean, hell, it could be like 300 years old. Like, we don't know. <laughs> right. Um, but we. so what was cool about that, like, I, you know, we, we peeled it back. 
But luckily, my my younger brother is a structural engineer, and I when see. he saw that, he was like, "Uh, uh-uh, this is not going <laughs> to yes. fly. Oh. Like you can't you can't have this be a, like an actual structural component of the building because there were cinder blocks resting on that stone wall. Oh, what's, I see. What's cool though is that. You can build steel beams and like if you look in that section again, yeah. you'll see all this new steel that's up around it and it frames it, but we didn't have to destroy the wall. It okay. just kind of goes around it to frame it like a picture frame. Got it. And then now you could blow out that whole cornerstone wall if you wanted to. I see. And it, the building wouldn't move an inch because okay. the steel is now the structure. Is what's holding. So we got to keep the cool feature without replacing it. But, and, and, and it and, does just look so cool. Yeah. Well, and that was something again, like, as I said, like so many of these design elements kind of came together as we're in the process of demoing and doing whatnot through this building. When we first got into it, all you could see of this stone wall was about six feet by four feet, like kind of a, it was behind the bar as like a mm-hmm. little design feature. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was just a facade and someone was, you know, someone was into that look. And then as we peel things back, in fact, the old place had a mini cold room in that whole corner. So yeah. We peeled back all these things and then we realized, wow, this stone wall is not like this is not a facade. This is a building. Right. And it's about 10x the size of what we thought it would be or more than anyone even knew it was for God knows how many decades. But before Uh, you guys did the steel it was still structural. It, it was structural. Okay. That's, so <laughs> yeah, when you, when that's the other thing that scares me about when you're having out. a great time at time out, like <laughs> yeah, if there yeah. was a major earthquake in Concord, that building yeah. was crumbling. Also, no wonder they didn't like we went upstairs, but we weren't allowed upstairs. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was so far behind. I mean, we had to literally drill holes through that wall, through wow. the stone to, to make sure that it wasn't just a facade. Wow. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty it fun was, surprise. Yeah, <laughs> and that upstairs need to be beefed up quite a bit to get up to up to code, really. So yeah, we kind of ended up having to triple reinforce everything. Well, um, it's it's a yeah. beautiful space, and if you even just do a Google, because I saw them on there today, just do you know Google Sidegate Brewery, and there's you guys have uh, there's a lot of interior photos that just show up on images. You can go to the website, which is sidegatebrewing.com. Yep, that's yeah, it. Yep. you can go there. Um, but I I encourage you to take a look at it, and and if I didn't actually look for old timeout photos, but they're probably there too, uh, yeah. because it's night and day, and um, you should really just see. There's a couple shots looking down from the loft at the brewery. Um, um, there's definitely shots of this wall I'm talking about. It's right where the stairs go up. So you'll know what I'm talking about. Do do a search. It's pretty cool stuff. I'm going to take us to a quick break because um, we've got one more beer to try. And it's a cold IPA. And I want to talk about that because I've made fun of the style before. <laughs> but mostly because I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't even know what it is. So hang in there. It's the session. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks to our sponsors, More Beer, 21st Amendment, Beersmith, Williams Brewing, um, and all the rest for uh, sticking with us all this time, uh, all these years, and and keeping us alive. I'm still here with Sidegate Brewery and Beer Garden. Just opened um, the third and final beer we have from them. And uh, I just took a little sip of it. It's their cold IPA. And I just want to say, you know, I don't always say it to brewers because I, I, I don't think it should have to be said. My assumption is that brewers come on the show. They should always come with their best beers, right? And you guys, you know, you guys chose the beers. Um, 
I mean, I hope all your beers are this good, but you definitely brought me all three beers are stellar. I just took a sip of the cold and it's it's very good. And I bring this up because not every brewery brings me their best beers. <laughs> sometimes I have to make shit up. Yeah. Um, but these are delicious. Um, and I've only been to the brewery a couple times. I've I've had your beers. They've all been good. They've all been solid. Um, these are even better than my experience that I've had there. So, awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun because you know we're only like seven, eight months old now yeah. at this point, and so we feel like all of our beers are getting better and better and better and better. As and, should happen, right? To right. anybody, yeah. Vinny would tell you the same thing. Yeah. Even if a brewery's been around for ten years, they should be getting better. Yeah. So I feel like anybody who comes to the brewery now should have a better experience than if they came a month or two months or three months ago. Sure. And we've been proud of everything, but I feel like everything we're coming out with now, it's like we're really. We're we're really learning a lot from every single batch of beer. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've gotten good feedback from others who even before I went there too. So you guys have been brewing good beer since the beginning, uh, as you say. You you should be proud of what you've done, and we've gotten that feedback here. Um, okay. Well, tell me about this cold IPA. I, so, you know, obviously, I make fun of it because I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is this new we, fangled yeah. style of beer? Right. Well, isn't like the there's <laughs> is there like one of the big beer companies like one of their slogans was always like cold filtered. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, and, yeah, and, and, and the joke was like, well, no shit. It's yeah. because if it was yeah. hot, it would just foam everywhere. Right. So at first, and I do I do kind of know the difference now, but I, I would always make fun of this like cold IPA thing. What is it actually? I I think for us, you know, this is one of those those topics that's super super fun to debate with uh with beer people because. You can come at it from a lot of different places, but, uh, you know, for us, <clears throat> you know, we, we really loved, uh, when we were doing small scale pilot batches and, you know, in the garage, in the backyard, we really loved doing, you know, what we would just call hoppy loggers, mm-hmm. you know, or, or IPLs, right. Was kind of one of those, one of those styles that, yeah. um, and just kind of that crispness that you get from, you know, a kind of a, a high gravity lager and some Pilsner malt, um, combined with, it's got to be uh, the right combination of hops. I think some maybe don't pair so well, but we, it was something we really loved doing and thought was, was a fun, cool hybrid category. And, and honestly, the, the segue from that, from brewing that cell of beer to what we're calling a cold IPA was really just, just a little bit of inspiration from, uh, from Andy, who's our, uh, our GM over at Sidegate, And he was like, Hey, what this, this sounds like a cold IPA, what you guys are brewing, you know? Mm-hmm. And we're like, I, we had never even heard to the be term. honest. Paul and I hadn't even heard that term yet. We're okay. going like, to call it we a made hoppy it, lager, right? A hoppy lager or maybe an IPL. And he's like, no, no, this is a cold IPA. And we're like, and we're what like, are you talking that about? Man? Sounds <laughs> so cool. So uh, I thought so, I like IPLs too. So, but it's not, uh, what's the difference? So here's what we've, what we've learned since we've made this. So this beer actually is our second, cold IPA, okay. which I still wouldn't call a, tra- like, uh, if you can call something a traditional, traditional cold IPA, <laughs> Wayfinder um, Brewing out in in, in Oregon, yeah. they're the ones who kind of pioneer the style, and the way that they brew it is using a certain percentage of flaked corn, so maybe like 20 or 30% of, of the, the malt bill would be flaked corn, and that what that does is it dries it out. Okay. It makes it very, very fermentable, really low body. So it's basically, you know, just a base malt and then some corn, some flake corn. Um, and then what they do, I don't know exactly their fermentation uh, temperatures, but I think what they do is they use a lager yeast. They start it cold and they let it free rise up to like an ale temperature, maybe not a full 68 or 70, but somewhere in the the mid 60s or, or low 60s. And so it's kind of a. 
that's where the cold IPA kind of style came to be because okay. it's a lower body, higher temperature lager that's still fermented colder than an ale, but not as cold as a lager. And sorry, and you did you say it is a lager yeast too? It's always, always a lager yeast. yeast. Always lager that's yeast. the key. It's but it always might not be down at like at 35C or whatever. It's, right. Okay. Yeah. Correct. So, yeah. And and the use of the adjuncts and the the corn, I think is kind of one of those things. The idea is to Americanize it, right? This is kind of like a, a, a northern, uh, uh, North American style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was kind of like, you know, separating it from the kind of the, the lager, German lager category of things. So I, all this to say, you know, again, there's, there's, you know, people probably have opinions on this, but like, you know, we're, uh, just trying a style of beer that we think is, 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 is really cool. And, and what we did recently uh, for this beer, this beer is doesn't have any adjuncts. There's going to be corn in it. Right. It's 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 just it's pilsner and a little bit of t- a touch of, a touch of Vienna. Vienna, yeah, yeah. Adding some carapils in there to give it some and, uh, a little bit more body. And, and, and churro also, or or pilsner is the is it's the actually major pilsner. pilsner. This okay. one's pilsner. Yeah, there's no churro. This one's pilsner with okay. Vienna. Yeah. So okay. what we did really recently, which is which is really cool, is is. Uh, some, some friends of ours that we've, we've come to know and, and have been just awesome and, and kind of helping us, uh, is, uh, the guys at Danville Brewing, um, and, um, uh, Matt and Seabass, we talked to them about kind of the same discussion we're having here. Like, oh, what's this cold IPA all about? And, and, and they've, they've done a lot of lager, you know, hoppy lager yeast beers, yeah. whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And they do it a little differently than we do. And so we're actually, we just brewed a collab with them. Uh, last week and it's a little bit of a hybrid between what we've been doing and what they've been doing yeah it's really fun it's and like a true collab because it's something that they brought to the table something we brought to the table okay we collabed on all the hops too and we also brought in a uh, vito delucci who was the brewer at imperial yeah beer project out in brentwood who he made just absolutely phenomenal beer yeah he's great uh he works at more beer yep. um so it's he awesome. was at my brew day yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All around. Just great He's stuff. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. 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 Vito. Yeah. Vito's going to get his own, his own brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give him his own show. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he should so, have his own show. Yeah. Um, so we're really excited about what this, what this beer brings to the table because it's a little bit, it's different than what, we, what we've been doing. It's different than what the, they've been doing. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, just kind of, I don't know, the evolution of using lager yeast to make hoppy, kind of higher gravity beers okay I mean, that, that that's we, we love it I mean, is, if you think about like how west coast ipas have kind of evolved over the last several years is they're getting drier they're getting less complicated on the the malt bill there's yeah. less crystal malt going into them so we're not seeing like you know those those heavy crystal malt beers and so they're just getting drier and drier and drier and drier and they're letting the hops shine the bitterness shine and a cold ipa is almost like an extreme version of that where okay. you're using a lager yeast uh to make to accentuate bitterness even more because lager yeast ferment colder. So you get fewer esters. So there's less to hide behind. And so all you're showing off is the hops. Right. Um, so and, does it not exactly have to be what would normally be lager malts either? Like Pilsner is a, could a cold IPA still be a two row based IPA? I mean, that's, I, I guess it's up to Wayfinder to, dis, to, to decide, that. To, to yeah. decide yeah. that. And they've but, got the street cred to do that. But yeah. I would say that they'd probably be cool with any, just the, the, the essence of it. I mean, it's, I it's see. hard to say like hoppy lager, IPL, cold IPA, like yeah. they all, they're all going after a specific flavor profile, I think. Right. Um, and 
really it's all about letting those hops shine on a on a on a, a very mellow uh malt base that's okay. very dry and you want bitterness. You don't want it to be, you know, like a hazy where it's got too no. pillowy. Yeah, you don't yeah. want pillowy. You want the yeah. opposite of pillowy. This has a nice firm bitterness. That's how I like my IPAs in general. Well, this one is yeah. all, um, again, it's not, you know, this doesn't have the, the flake corn or anything. This was our Pilsner malt with some Vienna. Uh, but the fun thing that Paul and I did on this one, and it's actually our World Beer Cup um, entry this year, nice. is all New Zealand hops. We love brewing ah, with New Zealand hops. Heck yeah. But we don't like to overdo it, like to have, you know, half the IPAs on the menu have some New Zealand hops. We, when we do it, we like... Let's go all New Zealand hops. Like, let's make it taste way different than something that has Citra or Mosaic or yeah. Simcoe. So, um, what what hops are in this? Nelson, Motuair, and Rakao. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a couple ones that you don't see accentuated too often. I mean, sure. Nelson is the one that you always see. Always, yeah. Um, but the Motuair and the Rakao kind reason. of give it like a little bit of interesting character but the a little Nelson more melon is, from the the yeah. the Rakao, I think yeah the, the Nelson is is definitely there though I, I felt mean, like we got yeah. a really good batch of hops too on this one so yeah yeah it's nice so it's got some good um like I said firm bitterness you definitely pick up the Nelson just a little dank from that mm-hmm. um and then yeah there's some there's some melon um, there's the Sauvignon Blanc from the Nelson too. Yeah. I, I just picked mm-hmm. that up too. It's so often now you pick up more of the dank and the diesel and less of the earthy Sauvignon Blanc. Right. But this one, you actually get a little more of that. I think that's because like. it's not just Nelson. It's like you're, you're not going heavy, heavy, heavy on the Nelson. Okay. And I feel like if you go too heavy, you get all the dank. Okay. And you don't get that like subtle flavor. Yeah. But again, like we haven't brewed with Nelson a whole lot to really know what it is. Sure. We just know we like the flavor. And we're yeah. Like, let's mm-hmm. just keep brewing. Let's let's keep making a beer with Nelson. First, well, and I keep yeah. learning it really depends on the batch too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like which one you get. Uh, do you dry hop with all the same uh, hops? Yes. Yeah. 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 Definitely. In copious amounts? A lot. <laughs> yeah. It, this it, this it, thing yeah. is definitely like a three pounds, three to three. And a, I mean, we're not going as crazy mm-hmm. as some breweries mm-hmm. like to kind of tone it down a little bit, but this one's like in the three-ish range, mm-hmm. three pounds per barrel. Is there a temperature difference in the dry hop? For a cold IPA, then there might be a regular IPA. Well, I maybe not on purpose. So <laughs> okay. on this one, we we actually so again because this one wasn't fermented the way that maybe Wayfinder might do it. We fermented this thing at like fifty one, fifty two degrees okay. the whole time, and yeah. then towards the end of fermentation, let it free rise up to a diastole rest. But it was pretty cold out at the time in our brewery. Yeah, the dead of winter. Yeah, uh, which believe it, it or is, not can be cold in it, California. It's yeah, cold enough. It's Cal- yeah. yeah. Well, and because we strip back all those layers of the onion right. of our building, oh, there's yeah. no insulation in there. <laughs> so whatever the temperature is outside, that's what it's going to be inside. I see. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much 100 percent of the time. Yeah. Uh, so this thing got up to about maybe 60 degrees. Okay. So it's actually like at it, best. Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. best. Like I mean, it was dry hopped. I mean, the diastole rest was at 60, which might not quite be enough, but hopefully there's no diastole in there. I'm not getting, actually, that was, I was, I was going to let you finish and then ask you about that if you yeah. did a test for diastole. We didn't do a test just other than taste. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not picking it up at all. But it's because it's dry hopped so much too. It's like we were a little worried because it's a lager yeast at a cold temperature with a lot of dry hops. Right. That's like a bad recipe for diastole. Yeah. But um, So then you dry hopped at 60. About 60. You left yep. it there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not exactly cold, but cooler. But cooler. Yes. Yeah. So yes. you're, we're probably getting we're, different flavors out of it because of that. Yeah. Sure. And, and, and for any of these beers, like the 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 the, the lagers that we're doing, we're, we're not going to dry hop much cooler than, or we're not going to dry hop cooler than 60 probably. I think that's 
uh, just kind of getting that a little bit warmer uh, temperature with the hops on the on the beer is is something that we we've, we've been doing pretty consistently. Sure. Um, yeah, it's a delicious beer. Yeah. It's definitely I, one it's, that we've found that some people like. It. It's if you like Nelson, you like the beer. If yeah. you don't like Nelson, they go. Is that what it is? That's if, more for if someone, someone else. comes in and asks for an IPA and you hand them this and they're they're not mm. you know they're they're really they're they're sometimes a little confused about what uh, what you handed them. Right. And so it's it's definitely one that I think is for when you when you if if you can appreciate if you, if you think and kind of appreciate the different hops. And the different styles, um, the nuances of IPA, that's where it's kind of fun to get into. And that's where like, you know, with our customers coming in and what we can educate them on a little bit in terms of, uh, hey, there's there's a lot of different ways to do IPAs. And here's something cool we like to do uh, with lager yeast and you can call it what you want. Uh, that's where it's, it's, it's really neat to have a beer like this. Right. I mean, it's actually, we have two different cold IPAs right now. And then the third one we talked about, the one we did with Danville and, and yeah. Vito. Um, we just love the style. Like we think it's such a fun mesh of, you know, lo- like the best parts of a lager with the best parts of an IPA. It's like, yeah, this is if, for the right kind of person and, and anybody who's willing to try it. We're confident that they're going to want to have another one or, or at least be interested to try more cold IPAs. Well, and I, and I do like that there's a distinction because, you know, even us beer nerds can get a little tired of the new style. that's kind of the other style mm-hmm. and sort of the same style as it used to be, but it's new. Mm-hmm. It's got a new name. Right. Right. Like, and tasty was a big fan of these, like, like session IPAs for a while. Mm-hmm. But then like JP, my, my co-host here would be like, well, you mean a pale ale? Like what's yeah. the difference, right? <laughs> and so when you get into like these, you get into cold IPA, you're like, all right, well, you mean IP, IPL? Yeah. But I, I actually, I understand the distinction and I like it when brewers actually really understand the distinction. Cause you're like, well, no, the process that we're doing is very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then us beer geeks can shut up because yeah. we don't know that the process is different. <laughs> we're, we're happy to have the discussion anytime though. Cause it's, it's fun. Like, I mean, it's, it's something that, uh, again, I think it's just a, a, a kind of a cool way to market uh, a hoppy beer with a lager yeast, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you guys are brewing a uh, fantastic beer. I want to thank you for coming in and sharing it with me and doing the show. I like having breweries on kind of in their, in their early days. And uh, we just had Moxa on last week and I didn't realize we had them on like right in their first year also, and mm-hmm. then had them on four years later. So love to have you guys back. Um, I'm going to enjoy uh, being your neighbor and, and watching you guys grow too. All of these beers are are really fantastic. So you're your homebrewing experience as lads, as young lads, has, uh, <laughs> has clearly uh, come through. So so uh, I wish you luck, and and thanks for, for bringing this beer in for us. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having us, and, and obviously everything you do to support uh, the brewing community out here in our, uh, you know, our little, our little corner of the world and yeah. uh, the, the, what I like to call the 680 corridor. And it, it's awesome. If it wasn't for kind of what, what, what you guys have established and other, um, other people that had a lot of foresight, we, we probably wouldn't have thought as hard as we did about like, about, you know, trying to, you know, kind of, kind of create, uh, yeah. you know, uh, build on that. Well, and it's kind of the more the merrier to me, especially out here. This really, this has been my, you know, I'm not, I wasn't born here, but this is, this is my home and it has been for a long time. 
And then, as I've said, I will always keep an eye on you guys because that that home that you have now just has this. <laughs> and not just because I party there. It just has this special place in my heart where yeah. I grew up some, I, I where I grew up as a musician. And to see it transformed into something that I would have done too, like I, you know, really has a little little place in my heart. So Yeah, I mean, hey, if you can ever, like, find some old pictures of timeout or you've got some stuff like kind of kicking around like in the attic like let us know because we'd love to we love the history of the building and we really want to like share that history with people who either used to experience it because we weren't really you know we, we weren't there when it was time out. You probably weren't even old enough. <laughs> well, maybe then. not, but uh, they would have let us in though. From That's what I've true. heard, uh, no problem having yeah. us in there. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. If you find anything, let us know. And 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 again, thanks. Thank you. Uh, like this is this is awesome to be on this, and and we you know it's been a, a bucket list thing for me to be on you know your podcast, and then and then have our beer on tap here at Hop Grenade, which is definitely one of the best beer bars in the area so thank, thank you, you so much. much yeah we're happy to have it folks if you're in the concord area we will have sidegate on all week um we've got a couple different beers from them um so come on out and try it we've got the smash ipa and we've got the vienna lager and you should try both uh, especially side by side with our with our other single hop uh, ipa that's on tap right now so uh, come on out and see us. Uh, go to Sidegate too. They're only a couple blocks away. You can go to SidegateBrewing.com and get all the information uh, that you need to follow them on social media to uh, get their taproom hours so you can go check it out. Um, you guys do food trucks, we right? We do, yeah. Uh, is that just a weekend thing? Uh, every day, except sometimes Mondays, sometimes not. But I would say Tuesday through Sunday, you can always expect a food truck. Nice. And are you open seven days? We yep. are open seven yep. days. God, I love you guys. See, <laughs> Concord needs to grow up again. We're, we need to yeah. Let's get past this pandemic bullshit and open seven days. Yep. We did it a while back. Um, I think EJ did it next to us. I'm glad to hear you guys are doing yeah, it. Yeah, we want the It is part of the recovery. Yes. We've all got to participate in that. Yeah. I, There's I great do... food in the plaza, too. So if you if, if you don't want what the food truck is or it's, you know, we don't have one for whatever reason, like we're always welcome to bring whatever food you want we do the same yeah, yeah you know and excellent kid friendly dog friendly so there's no reason not to come to side gate <laughs> it's a beautiful beer garden the weather's getting warmer every day so all right go check them out sidegatebrewing.com we'll be back with more shows soon i'm also going to be broadcasting the world beer cup from the uh, craft brewers conference that's on may 5th I think go to my website, thebrewingnetwork.com. You can find out. You'd be watching on YouTube. You can cheer on Sidegate. They've got a beer there, and so do most of the people that you've heard uh, here on the show. All right, folks, take care of yourselves and your beer.